Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. You can check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl and the word of God says from 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is a great verse. And we're going to talk with my guest today about rightly dividing the word of truth, about studying to do so, to, to gaining the tools in, in seminary, uh, to learn how to properly divide the word of truth. So I'm going to bring him right on. And this is my good friend. I met him on Twitter. I met him in person, one of the few people that I've met first on Twitter and then met in person. He is real live. I met his family as well. And that was, that was a good day. That was a good morning. So without further ado, and this was actually a request guest. So this is the first time I've had a request guest on, I think. Uh, this is none other than Mark Big Papa Pump Popovich. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me on, Daryl. Um, I think it's the first time I've ever been referenced as Big Pop Pump. Um, can't say I really like the nickname too much. I was not much of a Scott Steiner fan. Uh <laughs> Yeah, when I was watching wrestling, guy. you know, I I kind of liked them with the tag team, you know, the Steiner brothers. Yeah, and then he started getting way too heavy on the juice. I think <laughs> and he just sort of kind of went nuts with with this whole character story, and yeah, but you know, he he always put on a good show in the ring, and <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it it seemed as though, uh, like you said, as he got bigger, um, you know, his agility kind of went down a little bit, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just kind of made him a uh, just another muscular wrestler, and I I liked some of the guys that had a little bit more agility. Um, mm. You so know, you, I'll make, you were more like I'll make one of your listeners happy and say uh, like you know Bret Hart was was uh, a, a favorite of mine, Shawn Michaels, you know some of those smaller, mm-hmm. more agile guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like Shawn. You know, I didn't like Bret Hart. I didn't. I don't know why he always irritated me. I don't know. Maybe I liked him more again when he was the tag team with, with uh, Jim, the Anvil Nightheart, right? The heart yeah. foundation. And then I don't know why I just didn't resonate with, with his whole, his whole character. I don't know. And I wasn't a huge Shawn Michaels fan, but I, I kind of, you know, that rivalry was cool. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, we're, we're not talking, this isn't the wrestling. No, no, no. <laughs> the wrestling the wrestling podcast. Podcast. I just hey. lost half my audience. So yeah. now two people are listening to the four that usually, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I don't even watch wrestling anymore. It was better back in the day, but anyway, to get to why we're here, you're why we're, we're, you're what we're even doing here today to, and I brought you on to talk about seminary training. You've yep. just finished up seminary. I'm yep. just starting seminary and we will talk about that. But before we get there, let's let the listeners hear a little bit more about yourself, you know, share whatever you want, you know, share, you know, where you're from some, maybe something about your family, but definitely share what drew you, how did the Lord draw you to himself? Yeah. Uh, so, um, Connecticut born and raised still living here. Um, I, you know, I kind of like it. Um, I love the seasons here, especially fall, a beautiful time of year to be in new England, uh, Connecticut, especially. And, um, so uh, I'm married 12 plus years now. Um, my wife, Amber, 
Um, and we have three kids. Natasha is 10. Anton is seven. And Chessa is three and a half. Um, and um, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm not sure how many people on Twitter actually realize that. But um, when Natasha was born, uh, we just decided we wanted someone to, to be home with the kids. And uh, my salary would have been going towards daycare um, <laughs> if we had both uh, kept working. Uh, I was working at a supermarket, didn't really, um, you, you know, wasn't, wasn't my favorite <laughs> position, but um, so, you know, my salary would have been going towards daycare. So I said, well, you know, why am I going to be paying someone else to, to watch and raise my kids? Uh, so um, we just made the decision for me to stay home. And yeah, I've been doing that since, you know, now with three kids and, um, you know, finishing up seminary. So looking to, you know, become a full-time vocational minister. Um, so, you know, we'll look at, at, uh, where the Lord leads with that. Um, as far as the Lord leading me, uh, I grew up Roman Catholic, um, you know, Italian family. Uh, so grew up Roman Catholic, you know, grandparents with, uh, seven, seven kids. My mom was the oldest of seven and a bunch of, of, uh, you know, cousins, and aunts and uncles and stuff like that. So, we went to the Roman Catholic church every, well, we went Saturday nights and, um, you know, Christmas Eve service and, uh, stations of the cross during, uh, during Lent and, and Easter and, um, went to Catholic school and everything. And then when my mom, uh, met, uh, the man who would be her, um, her husband, her, her second husband, um, he, you know, started talking with her about, the Bible, scripture, Jesus, the differences between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. And so when I was, uh, let's see, probably about 11, 12 years old, we started going to a Christian Reformed church uh, nearby. And I didn't necessarily understand the difference. You know, church was church. Um, and then after a few years, the pastor at the CRC uh, retired. Um, I guess my family didn't really uh, like the change in direction that the church was going in. So we started going to a Presbyterian church, PCA church uh, here in Connecticut uh, in Coventry, uh, where one of your um, former guests was pastoring um, Brad Evans. Uh, he was there. So uh, we started going to that church and um, yeah, the differences between between Roman Catholic and Protestantism, between uh, you know the, the Roman Church and Presbyterian Church, uh, were pretty stark. Mm. <laughs> I can remember the first first Sunday we went to the Presbyterian Church. Um, they had decorated for Vacation Bible School that was going to start like the next day or whatever, and um, it was an it was an Olympic theme, so they had this like mural on the walls uh, of like a, uh, a stadium, you know, a track meet and stuff like that. And all these flags from all these um, different countries just kind of hanging for decorations and stuff. And I walk in and I'm looking around and I was like, what is this church? What's going on here? <laughs> and, um, you know, there was an elder who led the worship service up to the time of the sermon. And, and then, uh, you know, the pastor took over to preach and, 
you know, that was confusing to me as well because I was just used to one priest up, up on, on the altar, the whole service and stuff. So I wasn't sure if the first guy got tired and this guy was tagging in, you know, if it was <laughs> sort of wrestling, uh, homage or something. But, uh, um, but the, the Presbyterian church really, I, I say that's where I, I grew up, um, spiritually, especially. I, we started going there. I was about 14, 15 years old or so. And, um, you know, it was the teenagers in that church there that really showed me what it was to, to live the Christian life, to live out one's faith, um, to make a profession of faith. Um, and, you know, what that meant as a teenager. And, and, um, I was going to a Christian high school, but, you know, what it meant to, um, you know, playing sports, uh, you know, dating or working or just hanging out with friends, whatever that, that looked like. Um, so that, that's where I, I, I mean, I always had a belief in God's existence, um, even in the Catholic church. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't recall a, a situation where like I was converted, you know, I don't, I don't have that conversion moment story, um, that a lot of people do. Um, I think if you asked me when I was in the Catholic church about the gospel, about salvation, I don't know if I would have given you the correct answer, um, you know, the, the biblical answer per se, but I, I probably, there was a fear um, and, and a, uh, a respect of God, um, you, you know, uh, an acknowledgement of sin and of Jesus's life and death and resurrection. So, I, I mean, I would have had some of the major components, but, um, you know, there would have been some works of righteousness mixed in there as well. Um but I, I, I think the Holy Spirit was just, you know, taking me along at a different pace. Um, but it was really the Presbyterian Church where I, I kind of formulated what all this meant and could articulate it. And the fruit really probably started to, to show more and more. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, that was that. Uh, as far as, um, you know, being led to the Lord, it was would have been, you know, my mom's second marriage. Um mm-hmm. And, and the, the transition from the Roman Catholic Church to the Presbyterian Church, the, you know, the preaching that I received under Brad and, and um, just the, the good fellowship from the teenagers there at that church, you know, the youth group events and, and things like that. So That's great. Yeah. And, and I've, I've told on this podcast before my story about growing up Roman Catholic. So, you know, you're mentioning like stations of the cross and all that. I'm having flashbacks because I went through the same thing, you know, going to. Are you, are you getting the smells back too? Yeah, yeah the smells. The, we, we didn't like now, I, a few years ago, I went to a, a Catholic service uh, for a friend's child's baptism. This is when I was like a, like the first year I was uh, a Christian, actually. So it was like 10 years ago. And uh, I heard like a they rang a bell and that never happened when I was in the Catholic church. So now they do like this bell ringing. Yeah. Like, yes. It was like, all right, why they're ringing bells now. That's strange, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, you know, when all, all the, we, we occasionally went on a Saturday night when we had something to do on Sunday morning like that, but we had to go like, and I appreciate that. My mom always like made us go. So it gave right. me like a foundation and, 
you know, at least least something like some kind of morality, even though I didn't live back then, like I believed anything, but so there was a, a foundation. And so, I, and I knew the terminology and the names of, of things and the stories. So as I started to read the Bible, I was familiar with some of these, these things. Uh, so I'm definitely appreciating uh, my, my upbringing in, in the Catholic church, but now I, you know, try to study to know, okay, why was there a reformation? What is the difference? Right. You know, what is the major difference? Not these like, you know, side secondary issues that we can get into arguments over with, with our Catholic friends, but what is the main thing? What is the gospel? Yeah. But so th- thank you for, for sharing that story of how you came to the Lord. And then you've you know mentioned before that you feel called into vocational ministry, but before we do that, as you know, many denominations now uh, want their ministers, and I agree with this, to be theologically trained. Yeah. Uh, so you go to, to seminary. So what is seminary? What would you say seminary is? Yeah, uh, you know, seminary is, um, you know, it's graduate level work. Um, you, you know, you get your undergrad and, and or you go to a Bible college or whatever you might do right out of high school. Um, and then, you know, seminary is just that, you know, that step up to, to be more, um, if I may say specialized in, um, in this case, you know, would be theology. Um, you know, so you're, you're getting trained by, um, you know, doctors, PhDs, former pastors, you know, guys, uh, you know, men and women who are, you know, highly published and, and skilled in terms of uh, teaching and, and knowledge um, and have experience as well. So it's just, it's, it's a highly uh, specialized environment uh, for the, the person who, um, you know, first and foremost, I guess would be for, for those who are going into vocational ministry, but obviously not everybody there is looking for that. So, you know, just anyone who is, seeking a deeper knowledge of the scriptures and all things that pertain, you know, to them. So, um, you know, there are multi facets of seminary, but I would say it's primary, um, uh, purpose would be to train, uh, particularly men for the, uh, the pastorate. Yeah. And definitely, you know, like you're saying that specialized field, because a lot of churches will just, you know, somebody with zeal, you know, and, and has a talent, maybe they're charismatic, has a talent of, of speaking publicly, they'll, they'll right away put them, you know, in the pulpit and, and, you know, eventually they're leading a church, you know, and, and we see that, you know, I, I've listened to the, uh, the uh, Mars Hill podcast and that's, you know, very similar to, you know, Mark Driscoll with great personality. He even, he's, he even says in one clip, uh, you know, I've never even been a member of a church, and now um, I'm leading this church. It's like, yeah. well, let's stop the tape. Let's uh, backtrack yeah. on that. So, so I, I'm glad to be in in a denomination that requires their ministers to be trained. Um, and that's that's you know maybe down down the list per se, but you know that that's a good um, test to see you know whether a person is called whether. Um, you know, if, if you're going to have the patience to go through, whether it's four or five, six years of, of, mm. of studying and training, um, to come out at the other end to be a pastor, or if you're, you know, you're impatient, no, I want, you know, I, I, I need to step in and be a church leader right away, right now. 
mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, that that might ought to be a, a red flag for for churches if if someone's not willing to, um, you, you know, go through that that training. Um, I think it was Paul in in Acts, right? He was in or was in Galatians that he says that you know after he was converted, he was in you know it was like fourteen years before he kind of really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his ministry really kind of took off or whatever. So it's like, well, 14 years that he was in, uh, you, you know, studying and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, you know, even, even Paul had, uh, you know, his, uh, his time of, of training, it wasn't just the immediate, um, I know, I know he, he did, but you know, there was that, that period of time, um, that he went and studied and made sure that he was, uh, not running contrary to, you know, the apostles in Jerusalem. So, and he was already familiar with the scriptures too, because he, you know, right. he trained as a Pharisee under Gamaliel. So, you know, he has a whole list of, of that he gives in Philippians, you know, his training before he was a Christian. So yeah. it was still, still in the scriptures, but he, you know, counts it all as, as rubbish uh, for knowing Christ. And that that's when he really started to study and understand what those old Testament scriptures really said. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you, you went to seminary, you know, and you, you felt a call. Did you feel the call? I'm going to kind of ask this differently than what I sent it to you. Did you, you. Did you feel a call to vocational ministry and then you decided to go to seminary or was it was it more like, you know, I'm going to go to seminary and learn to get more educated and, and then now you're starting to feel that, that call into vocational ministry? Yeah. Uh, the the second one that you said there. Okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, when I got married – um, part of uh, my wife and I, we had a kind of like a two part honeymoon. And the first part we had just gone down to Orlando and uh, we went to a spring training baseball game. And in the, the outfield was uh, an advertisement for a professional baseball umpiring academy. Um, and uh, at the time I, I was doing high school baseball um, umpiring and so when my wife saw it, she pointed it out to me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, let's take a look at it. And so I went to just before the birth of, of our first child um, in 2012, I went to this camp. Um, it was five weeks in Kissimmee, Florida. And um, it was a chance to move on to pro baseball umpiring. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was just, just like playing pro baseball. You got to, you know, go up through the ranks and stuff like that. And only a small percentage make it X, Y, and Z. And, um, I wasn't necessarily looking to do that, but just to get better at baseball umpiring and then come back to Connecticut and, you know, get on the, the better, like the college circuit in this area. Um, I knew guys that did it and, um, you would, you know, just travel around new England and even into New York at times, um, and do, a game on Friday and a double header or something on Saturday and you collect your paycheck and you go home um, or, you know, just a double header Saturday or whatever. So, um, you know, and, and it was decent money and stuff. So that's what I figured I was going to do. I was going to be a, a college baseball umpire and um, see about moving up the ranks that way. Well, uh, and I was doing pretty good and I was moving up the ranks of the high school level that we were, that I was on. Um, and there was one day um, where I I had a game that afternoon. And I was at home and just kind of waiting. Uh, I had a little bit of time to kill before needing to leave for the game. And 
So I just sat down on the couch and I don't know what it was, but like a, just a wave of anxiety came over me um, to such an extent that like my fingers went numb and my arms and legs just got heavy. Like I couldn't move them. Um, it just, it was the weirdest, like, and I'm hyperventilating or whatever. It's just, you, you know, I was so nervous about umpiring a baseball game that, I mean, I've been doing for several years now. <laughs> Uh, and I was good at, you know, what, what was going on here. And I just, I couldn't bring myself to do this game. Um, I, I, I ended up doing the game, but with still with a lot of anxiety to, of doing it. And I called uh, my commissioner, um, for the umpire board and said, I, I can't do any more games. Uh, this is, this is, a, you know, I'm having a physical reaction here to this. And, um, we worked something out to where he, took me off some of the rest of the games for that year. I did a couple more for that week. Um, and they took me off and of those games. And I remember praying, you know, that night after that conversation with the commissioner and I just said, Lord, I, I don't, I don't understand. I said, I, you know, this was something that I loved. I love baseball. I, I enjoyed umpiring. I was really good at it. He gave me a talent for it. I was moving up the ranks things, you know, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy to have a five-year plan, but it's like, I had a five-year plan for this. This, this is going good. Like, you know, I thought this was where you, where you were leading me. What's going on here? And, you know, you just, you get that feeling like, nope, this isn't for you. And I said, well, if, if this isn't for me, then what would you have me do? What, what do you want me to do? And, um, you, you know, so for several years, my brother had been hounding me um, to, take seminary classes. He, he had started taking a class here and there. And he's like, you should take seminary class. You should. And I was like, no, no, it's not for me. I don't, I don't want to be a pastor or anything. He's like, no, you don't have to, you know, you can just take classes for the heck of it, you know, to, uh, just to learn and, and, you know, to study. He's like, it'd be fun if you and I took a class together. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to do that. It's expensive. You, you know, like, I'm just, I don't have the time with, you know, I just, it's not going to work. And um, so then when, you know, and I had this reaction to umpiring and I said, well, what would you have me do Lord? And, uh, just the, the thought came into my mind, you know, I, I really love studying the scriptures. I do love reading and I do love the Bible. I do love my savior. I'd love to know more. Uh, and I'd love to serve the church more. Um, so I said, yeah, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll go to seminary. I won't, I won't get a, an MDiv. Maybe I'll, I'll get a degree or just take some classes um, just to be able to be a good, you know, guy in the pew, you know, <laughs> Sunday school teacher, Bible study leader, whatever. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll teach at a college level, you know, or community college level or high school level or, you know, do some writing. I love writing. Um, so, you know, there was those options. So I, I, called up my brother and said, Hey, you know, what seminary are you going to? And can you, you know, hook me up and stuff? And he was like, Whoa, what, you know, <laughs> this change come about. And I told him and he's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. It's good. You know? And um, so he was going to Knox theological seminary out of Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida, uh, D James Kennedy, um, Coral Ridge Presbyterian church down there. And um, so he got me, connected to them. And, you know, I got accepted into their masters of biblical and theological studies, um, which was uh, 60 credits, a step below the MDiv. 
and I was doing it exclusively online. Um, you know, wife and at the time, two kids. Um, so it was great to, to be able to do things online on uh, my own schedule. You know, I could, they were all recorded lectures and readings, preset readings and stuff and, and assignments. So, you know, I just kind of did week by week, um, you know, the assignments when I could, uh, at night, pretty much when kids would go to bed and stuff. So, um, I did that and, um, I gra- graduated with that degree. I started in, in June of 2016. I graduated with that degree in, um, May of 2019 or June of 2019. Um, and then it was the f- summer of 2020 or that fall and summer of 2020, I started, um, filling pulpits here and there. Um, and that was another thing that, you know, my brother was kind of hounding me on like, Hey, you know, someone, you know, this church needs someone to, to preach. Would you be able to preach or fill a pulpit or whatever? And I said, that's not me. I told you, that's not me. That's not what I'm looking <laughs> for. And he's like, he's like, just, could you just do it once? You know, I, I would, but I'm doing this and that. And, you know, they really need someone. It's a last minute kind of thing. And I was like, well, okay. And then, you know, he got me hooked up with, um, a guy that does nursing homes and assisted living facilities and stuff. So I started helping them out like, you know, once a month or every other month or so. And, um, you know, it was just, it was the Holy spirit kind of working in that direction where the whole process of studying and writing a sermon and preparing, and then, um, you know, exhorting, uh, proclaiming the gospel, um, in front of, of people, um, just really, captivated me. Um, and you know, it was at that point, um, where I started thinking, all right, well, maybe the Lord is calling me to be a preacher. And, um, you know, I was going to talk with my wife about going back to seminary to pursue a a master's of divinity, but she beat me to the punch. Uh, she had heard a couple of my sermons, um, that I had preached in a Baptist church. Um, in Connecticut here. Um, and she said, you know, what would you think about going back to seminary and getting your MDiv? And I just was floored. Uh, cause I was like, you know, I was literally going to ask you about, I mean, I had walked into the kitchen to have that discussion with her. Uh, and you know, she just, she turned and asked me that question. I just said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, um, I re-enrolled at, at Knox again, uh, enrolled my, um, masters of biblical and theological studies into the masters of divinity. And I just finished up, um, with that MDiv, uh, this uh, month ago or so. Um, so yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking that, I mean, that was, I don't know how long that story was, but from baseball umpire to Sunday school teacher to preacher, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how it went. That's great. And, and, the the baseball umpiring you were doing that but then your wife saw a sign out in the outfield encouraged you to pursue a little bit more of that and then she per- encouraged you to pursue again your mdiv so the lord has blessed you with a great wife that, that's absolutely supportive absolutely um i can't say enough about her i mean yeah you know she she works really hard um and you know she is uh very um giving to the you know, to me and to the kids, you know, with, uh, her work ethic 
and she does her job well. Um, and you know, the stuff that she does, you know, for the kids, uh, you know, around the house and for me and stuff like that. So, um, and then, you know, there were a lot of times during seminary where, whether it was studying for a test or writing a big paper or whatever, um, you know, she would take the kids and, and, you know, go to a playground or something and give me, mm. you know, three, four, five hours or whatever to, to uninterrupted to, to get this mm. stuff done. Um, so, um, yeah. she, and sh- she does well in terms of, um, seeing when I'm, you know, stressed or, you know, kind of weighed down with those kinds of things. And, you know, so she, she um, again, uh, jumps into action. So she, yeah, mm. absolutely, uh, um, would not have been able to do any of this without her and the blessing that, you know, she has been, um, you know, from God to me and this family. So, yeah. And I want to give a shout out to my wife as well, because, you know, just starting seminary myself this month, it's been a challenge with all the reading that I have to do. And with, with the kids running around, it's hard for me to concentrate on that. Uh, a coffee shop just opened like right next to us where we live in town. So nice. uh, that's where I've been trying to go to, to read. So like, Today, for example, I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and read it for a little bit. Is that, is that okay? You need me to do anything? She's like, no, go. I'm like, thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I got to, got to read some of the, the good old Bob Inc. Uh, yeah. So I, I remember my first night, um, seminary was reading. Uh, my first class was, um, New Testament survey, um, gospels and acts. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm reading who was the, New Testament book by, I think, uh, Doug Moo, I think was the, the writer for the textbook. And I remember reading it and, um, uh, Gordon Ladd as well was another text, you know, so I'm reading this stuff and, you know, I was reading it after the kids went to bed and after my wife went to bed. And, um, so I'm reading till like 11, 1130 or something and then go up and lay down and I've got all these theological terms and, and thoughts and, you know, stuff just bouncing in my brain. And I was just laying there. I could not fall asleep. I, I got up and I said, I got to do, I got to do something to, to, you know, turn my brain off of, you know, this deep theology textbook. So I started uh, every night um, <laughs> I would read and then I would stop and watch uh, the joy of painting with Bob Ross. Nice. Um, <laughs> he just, there was just, the kind of, he's soothing, yeah. you, you know, yeah. uh, so he worked for me in terms of being able to, to turn my brain off so I could get to sleep uh, after reading, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever deep textbook, uh, you know, or yeah. studying Hebrew or Greek or whatever. So he, uh, he was very, he was instrumental in getting through <laughs> seminary too. So. The simplicity of the happy little tree. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Being painted on there. And then, <laughs> you know, just a little line he starts with. And then all of a sudden you have a forest and like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, his voice and just, it mm-hmm. was just very calming and soothing. Mm-hmm. So worked for me. I heard a story about him, but I don't want to, it was pretty good. His history. I think he was actually like a war veteran. And then, think, yeah. and then he like saw some bad stuff in action and that's kind of what led him to, I'm going to slow down, calm down and just, <laughs> yeah. paint some trees i heard that on uh what podcast cabinet of curiosities mm. so i recommend that podcast it's pretty good pretty cool stuff on yeah. there but anyway what was your experience like because you, you said knox was an online seminary yeah. what was your, what was your experience like going through an online seminary yeah um you know the 
the the pluses the benefits of it were you know for me and i'm sure you're you're coming to you'll experience this as you go along but just being able to uh with wife and three kids here um and then just other responsibilities of life and church and stuff that um that i could do my listen to my lectures and read my assignments and do my assignments on my own time. Like I didn't have to make sure I was in a classroom, uh, you know, Monday morning or Tuesday evening or whatever. Um, you know, so there was that flexibility. Um, you know, that, that was, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it if it weren't for that. Um, just going to a a classroom, um, just would not have worked for me. Um, one class at a time or not, um, just, was not an option. Um, however, you know, there, there's a lot that gets that you miss doing online seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, just the interaction with students uh, is much more difficult. You're going through message, message boards and emails and uh, things like that. Um, and same thing with a professor. Um, you know, uh, I would, would listen to lectures by one professor Mm-hmm. textbooks by another professor or you know theologian or whatever and then have a third professor be the the proctor of the class right um and so you know you you'd be listening to a lecture or reading a book and i don't really understand this now i gotta you know email the professor and wait for a reply do i continue reading before i get that reply or what mm-hmm. and then the professor writes back and, and says well you know I'm not really sure. Let me go back and, and, you know, so it, mm-hmm. it was, it was a process to, for interaction like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the professors at Knox were really good, but you know, um, if it's not real time, it, it's very difficult again, to have that interaction uh, discussion and stuff. So, um, and especially when it came to the languages for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, those were a lot harder for me just because I didn't have that classroom setting to make sure that I was building properly as you're going along. And so like Hebrew two, I thought I was tracking with it, um, was doing the homework, doing the quizzes, was doing well on that. And then when it came time to put it all together at the end, somewhere along the lines, I had a misstep and Mm. uh, just was not, (laughs) was not really um, building properly. So I didn't, didn't have the best of, uh, times with the languages online, but you know, that's just me. Uh, you know, I'm not that strong in, you know, learning other languages anyway, mm-hmm. but, um, I can hardly speak English at times. So <laughs> why I was an English major was to be able to, to speak English better, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what people keep warning me about the the languages. So I'm already kind of worried about them i i, I kind of started greek a little bit with um, yeah. at least trying to memorize some vocabulary mm-hmm. so we'll see if that's beneficial or not and i, I think i will, won't have as hard a time with greek as hebrew because i just look at hebrew words and i'm like I, how do you even how am i even supposed to write that like i like, <laughs> just yeah it's like a whole like you have to be an artist almost to be able to write Hebrew words a little bit a little bit <laughs> although I, I mean I will say when I was taking the the languages you know the people who I talked to other pastors and stuff I mean it was like 50 50 some of them said Hebrew was easier 
for them than Greek and others were said, no, Greek was easier for me than Hebrew. So I guess, you know, two different learning styles as far right. as, um, you know, uh, memorizing a lot of vocabulary and a lot of rules uh, for grammar versus being able to just have sort of, um, you know, templates of, of, you know, in Greek to mm. be able to figure it out um, based on clues in, in the, the grammar and the syntax and stuff. So I, I can't tell you which I think Greek was probably a little easier for me just because a lot of the vocabulary um, you, you know, you, you kind of recognize from, you know, uh, old English words and Latin words and stuff like that, you know, mm. uh, cardia. It's like, Oh wait, that sounds like cardiac. Heart, that must yeah. be heart. Yeah. Heart. Oh, that is. So, <laughs> you know, you have, you have words like that, that, you know, when you say the word out loud, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess it means this. And, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be for me, if I could go back and do it again, I would love to, to have done Greek and Hebrew with somebody, um, right. who knew, you know, what they were doing and just to be able to, to, bounce it off of them and be like, no, you're, you know, you're missing it. It's this instead of the, Oh, okay. Gotcha. And, and to proceed from there, I think it would have been beneficial. Yeah. Were there any blessings that occurred what during your time in seminary specifically with seminary that you didn't think was going to happen? I, well, for me, it, you know, sometimes motivation can be a factor. Um, you know, I can say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read this book. Um, and then I just never get around to it or I read a page or two at a time and, you know, it takes forever. So, you Mm -hmm. know, to have that sort of kick in the pants at times, uh, you know, you gotta, you, you know, would I normally read 300 pages of a theology book in a week? No, but, you know, since I have to, because I, I need to take a quiz or write a paper, then I get it done. And so, you know, it's, it's helped. That's been a benefit of, of seminary is to, to spur me on in terms of uh, motivation and just, um, you, you know, as you read it, you know, you realize it's a subject that you enjoy. So yeah. uh, it takes, takes a little bit of the edge off in terms of like, Oh, 300 pages or whatever. So, but you know, another benefit for me was, was just again, how it was revealing the will of the Lord in my life in terms of uh, you know, where I am right now. Um, and um, I think I tweeted this out, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife was away with the kids at a family event and I had to stay here because uh, I had uh, was filling a couple pulpits on that Sunday. And when she came home, she said, oh, you know, what was your what was your favorite aspect of, of the weekend? You know, the, uh, by yourself and, you know, the peace and quiet and, and you know, all that. And I said, um, I was like, well, I said, actually, I said my favorite favorite part was just being able to to fill the pulpit twice in one day was, uh, was what I enjoyed the most. Uh, you know, I mean, I missed you guys when you were away and stuff. And I mean, you know, I got to, to cook the food that I wanted to eat and stuff, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, um, you know, just seminary, the blessing of seminary was just how much I, you know, I enjoy preaching. Um, and so that, that was definitely a book. Cause again, I wasn't going into seminary thinking that I was going to become, you know, a preacher or pursue, a, a pastorate or MDiv and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I was, I was opposed to that. No, that's not me. That's not me, but you know, that's, that's definitely come out of it and, and how much I enjoy. I, it's probably, I would say my, my favorite thing right now uh, hmm. to do is to, to prepare and to preach a sermon. Yeah. So. 
yeah, I enjoy doing it too. Um, cause I've had a few opportunities over the past two months to fill pulpits within our presbytery and it's a joy yet. It's, it's terrifying at times as well, Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I, uh, it, it, I think even, you know, if eventually I'm full-time in a pastorate position or full-time like preaching even more often, I, I hope it's still a terror to me because it is the word of God and we don't, yeah. we don't want to get it wrong. We, but we know we still do at times, but the Lord is, is gracious and he uses broken vessels like us, but it's, it's still like, like an amazing opportunity that we, we get to do. And something uh, myself, I never thought I would do. Like I hate public speaking <laughs> like, yeah. in college. I hated it. I didn't enjoy it much, even when I was teaching high school at times, but now I look forward to it. And I say like, as I, I get more calls, like now that I'm busy with seminary, I say next one I'm I'm probably going to say no because I'm busy, but then I'll get a call and I'll be talking to the pastor or the elder and I'm like, oh, what's that date, Karen? Can I can I do? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and then I'm doing it. And it, but it's it's a blessing and you learn more and the more you do it, the better you get at it, the communicating, and the more I'm learning in seminary, the the more the 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 craft of of presenting the gospel to people and and teaching the right. scriptures and preaching the scriptures will will hopefully you know it'll make me better for it to serve the lord right uh, you mentioned so, that the the terror uh mm-hmm. and that was i guess that would probably be another um benefit not so much seminary itself but mm-hmm. just starting um you know to step into the pulpit more and more uh because that, i think that was part of of my reaction to to with umpiring was that um even though i was a good really good baseball umpire the the thought of the criticism uh Mm. was very heavy on me Uh, i went to to watch a a buddy of mine umpire a game and i'm sitting in in the stands with the parents and stuff like that and they didn't know i was an umpire and um you know and they're just like you know it just were harassing the umpire and he was having a good, good game in my estimation but um, you know, he rung up a kid on, on a beautiful pitch, you know, curveball right there. And, you know, the parent yells, there goes my kid's scholarship blue. Thanks a bunch. You know, and they just were all, all riding on him. And so, and when I'm on the field, I don't hear that, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm just focused, but, you know, hearing it in the stands, I was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this, you know? And I just, I, I didn't, I didn't want that, you know? And mm-hmm. so then the idea of like stepping into a pulpit to speak the word of God mm-hmm. was like, well, isn't that just as terrifying? Like, you, you know, cause you're going to get criticism. For, and I, right. and I remember pondering that and praying about it. And it was just like, there's something different about this. Like I, I don't fear the criticism that I would get from congregation when mm-hmm. I step out of a pulpit, but the, the holy terror of stepping into the pulpit mm. um, is something that, I, I mean, it's palpable at times. Um, yeah especially prepping it right you know and if you're dealing with a, a passage that uh it, you know may be a little bit more obscure or whatever but um it just it, it's a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. you know here again i i wasn't pursuing this call myself the lord showed me that this is where he would want me to be mm-hmm. and i'm standing before him speaking his words you know, so like it's 
it's kind of a roundabout thing, right? I mean, you know, I, I'm not speaking my words, I'm speaking his words. So I'm relying upon the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to keep me in check, <laughs> but to help me to unpack, um, you know, the, the gospel and proclaim it to these people uh, it, sitting in, in the chairs there. Um, it, so it just, it's definitely, it, it gives me an awe and a respect. And like you said, mm-hmm. a terror of fear for the position but it's a beautiful thing in that you know again i'm not stepping into it arrogantly um you know it was you know i i pretty much had to kind of get shoved (laughs) you know and (laughs) convinced to to do it and um you know i don't take that for granted i i you know so you know if the lord were to say you know hey uh you're done here i'm gonna move Mm -hmm. you somewhere else uh, to a different job or a different task, then um, I'd say, okay, you know, I, I probably would miss preaching, but um, y- you know, it was definitely, I would say, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So Amen. what encouragement could you give those who are considering seminary? And I'm thinking more specifically, yes, there's, you know, young men that come right out of, you know, college and then go to seminary, but more specifically like people like men, in our situation that it was, it was like something they didn't think about when they were younger. And it was later in life that they were on the fence about going and finally commit going. So, so think maybe more specifically about, about that man who's, you know, has a family. This is, you know, a a later in life decision and encourage, encourage, give them some encouragement if they're considering seminary. It's never a wasted time in seminary. You know, so even even the person who's on the fence and takes a class or two and says, actually, this isn't for me, you know, or whatever makes the person, you know, say, I got to I got to stop. I mean, those those two classes or whatever are not wasted. I mean, you're you're studying the word of God and there's no more glorious subject to, to dive into uh, than that, you know, than than the scriptures and and our savior. Um you know, so again, even if even if someone doesn't pursue to the end to get a degree or or become a pastor, whatever the case might be, and even if they never teach a Sunday school class or lead a Bible study, you know the the what they've been fed and and how they've grown and been sanctified and been uh, shaped and molded into the image of Christ through this class and through the interaction with professors and and other students and stuff um, is is worth it. The time commitment, the uh, the tuition, you know, those are those are things that can certainly make people, um, you know, hesitant. Um, and if that's the case, then you know, I'd say, you know, that's fine. See, I there are seminaries that will allow you to to like audit classes at you know whether it's a reduced rate or or, or not at all or uh, no no fee at all. Um, you know, you get to have access to lectures or to readings and stuff. You just don't get credit for it and stuff, but um, you, you know, or you find someone that can teach you in your church or anything. Mm. I, I guess the encouragement would be if you have a desire to study the scriptures more deeply, whether it's in a certain area or, uh, you know, textual criticism or canon formation or, you know, doctrines of grace or whatever, go for it. Mm. Um, you, you know, 
And again, if there are those things that kind of stand in the way as obstacles, you know, finances or just time commitments or whatever, then, you know, there are other options that can be had to, to be able to immerse yourself in the glorious truths of the gospel. Um, so I'd say absolutely go for it, you know, men or women, um, you know, and, and uh, whether it's for yourself, your family, your church, whatever, your neighborhood, um, you know, the word of God never uh, it always accomplishes its purpose, never returns mm-hmm. to him void. Um, so again, it'll, it'll definitely uh, produce a, a fruit, uh, a harvest of righteousness in some respects. Um, so I, I would absolutely say if, if you feel that, that desire to study the scriptures more, um, then yes, absolutely. You know, whether, again, whether it's seminary or, or some other option like that, um, you know, one thing I would say, for someone who is starting seminary and I, and I kind of, I was told this myself, but didn't really take it um, to heart so much early on. Um, but, you know, because seminary classes can have these longer assignments and, and, you know, the reading as, as you're aware of, I found myself falling into a pattern of, well, you know, do I do my, my private worship, my private reading devotions in the morning or in the evening or whatever, you know, whatever schedule I had before seminary, or do I use that time to, to catch up on this lecture or this reading? And, and I would often substitute the seminary for the private time, uh, with Christ, um, and, and felt like that was equivalent. And it really isn't, you know, it's training. Uh, it's practice, it's diving deep into the scriptures, but nothing beats that, just that intimate prayer time, singing, reading with, with Christ, uh, with, you know, again, whether it's privately or with family or whatever. Um, so, you know, don't, I don't confuse the two, you know, this is kind of work-ish, the seminary is, um, and so don't, don't let it take the place of, um, you know, your private worship and family worship and devotion and stuff. So um, that, that would be two, two bits of encouragement, I think. Thank you. Those are great pieces of encouragement and there'd be no reason to, to study the scriptures more to go to seminary if it wasn't for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that's what changes hearts. That's what, why I want to, pursue more and how to study the scriptures, how to communicate it more. So will you share that gospel with our listening audience right now? Yeah. So I think one of my favorite passages, and I think this, you know, is I was at a very low point in my life, just in terms of, uh, you know, sins I was struggling with, uh, assurance of salvation and just, you know, doubts and questions and I think, you know, this passage in Romans 8 was really, you know, just kind of that light bulb moment, if, if I can, uh, you know, if that works as an analogy. Uh, Romans 8, um, 12 to 17, the Apostle Paul says, uh, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then verse 16 was probably key for me. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So it was just that for me, it was that, you know, hamster wheel, you know, am I doing enough? Am I believing hard enough? Do I have the right answers? Uh, you know, is it two steps forward, three steps back, you know, type thing? Uh, you know, I, you know, had the right answer at youth group, but then I committed this sin. So that did that erase it? You, you know, it was just, it was trying to tally up things for me. Again, it was a lot of that works righteousness, but it was the idea of you did not receive a spirit of slavery, but you received the spirit of adoption. So it was that idea of, you know, the gift, right? You know, I didn't earn this. Um, I didn't receive it as a, a paycheck, you know, as Paul talks about elsewhere, it's not my wages. I've received it um, from the grace of God uh, who had mercy on me. And then it was the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that was something that floored me, yeah. you know, because dealing with my sinfulness, my stupidity, my idiocy, um, the fact that the spirit would say, yep, you know, mm. I- I'll vouch for him. You know, he- he's with me, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I- I'm helping him. I'm aiding him. And that Christ would say, yes, I bled for him. I died for him was too much to take. <laughs> you know, it was, it was that idea. You know, again, my sins right in front of my face and Jesus would say, you know, that he is not ashamed to call me Mm. his brother, his friend, you know, to, to announce me to the father as he's with me, he's taken care of, he's paid for, Um, you know, Romans five, seven and eight there, you know, while we were still at enmity with God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, you know, so for me, it was that, you know, <laughs> you are a wretched person, Mark Popovich, you know it. And the Lord certainly knows it more than you do yet. Not for any reason, uh, you know, in and of yourself, but because of the grace of God, uh, he has revealed himself to you in such a way that uh, the spirit of Christ dwells in you and you cry out, Abba, Father. Um, you know, so that, like I said, it, it was too much to take, it, you know, just the glorious unbelievableness, I guess, it, you know, the, the too good to be true type yeah. news. Right. You yeah. know, you've won the publisher's clearinghouse. What? I can't believe it. You know. <laughs> This is even better than that, you know, that someone that you uh, hate and want to kill Mm. is saying, I want you as a son or a daughter. What? That's unbelievable. It it is in human terms, but that is why our our God is so glorious is that, you know, he is not, uh, you know, uh, like man kind like that. You know, his his ways are so much more glorious than, than ours are. So. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful. And now the question that you studied sure. for, you, 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 you did your research. I did. 
the the question all my my listening audience loves probably not but nicholas kim coppola do you know who he is i do now yes (laughs) (laughs) was not a i I don't do well with uh, celebrities and their real names Mm -hmm. as opposed to their their stage uh you know or or pseudonyms or whatever so Uh, so remind the listening audience who nicholas kim coppola is uh this would be nicholas cage yes nicholas cage the actor Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> the the actor. So here's the question: If a Nicolas Cage movie was real life, and you were in it, what character would you be? And you can't be anybody that Nicolas Cage is playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is this a new movie, or, or are we remaking? And, and, yeah. So it's it's an actually movie that exists that Nicolas Cage is in. Oh, okay, and and yeah. So I'm I'm going back and and I'm going to be a character in one of one of those movies. Um, oh goodness. Uh, huh. Well, you know, one of the Nicolas Cage movies that I liked was a movie called Snake Eyes. Um, Snake Eyes. I don't know if I've yeah. seen that one. It, it was a um, it was a kind of a thriller. Um, it was a, a a boxing conspiracy movie. And so Nicolas Cage played, um, yeah, it came out in 1998 mm-hmm. and, uh, he played a detective and, uh, he, he attends a, a boxing match and, um, the, the prize fighter, um, you know, loses. He, he was a big favorite to win the, the match and, and he loses, but Nicolas Cage suspects that something's up and he's, you know, he's watching the, the match and, uh, thinks that there's a phantom punch that, you know, the guy didn't land a punch, but the guy, you know, the, the prize fighter fell and, mm-hmm. you know, was knocked out anyway. And so he starts digging around and there's a conspiracy and, and, uh, you know, um, so I, I liked it cause I was, I was on the younger end <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I like the sort of mystery esque, uh, you know, who done it and, and putting pieces together. So, yeah. um, I probably would go back and, and, uh, would want to go in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would just end up being one of the guys at the boxing match, maybe standing in front of Nicholas Cage cheering or something like that. <laughs> uh, cool. cool. But, it looks uh, like, looks know, like, looks like Gary Sinise was in that movie. I just looked it up. It looks like, yeah, I, you know, maybe, maybe I could fill in for Gary Sinise, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, I yeah. think my act cops are, are quite <laughs> that range yet, but cool. Fun fact. I actually was in a stage play. Okay. Uh, back in 2018, um, I auditioned for a play at a local community theater yeah. nearby, and and uh, lo and behold, I got called. Uh, I was one of the lead roles, so uh, here I am taking mm-hmm. seminary classes and memorizing 100 plus <laughs> lines of the play. Um, and uh, that was another thing I think helped. Um, you know, the umpiring plus this play helped with uh, with my preaching because. Mm-hmm. I was in front of us, an audience. And yeah, here I am acting. So nice. Um, so I do have some acting so, credit. Man, but. I've learned so much about you on this <laughs> episode. Thank you, the yeah. umpire, actor. Man, the the the, the Twitter world it will be quite a buzz now I, about, <laughs> about you know Mark Pig, I, Big Papa Pump Popovich. If, uh, <laughs> if um. You know, I was re- requested to be on the show, so I mm-hmm. figured I had to had to bring something. I had to bring some yeah. heat to this Good. thing. So Good. Awesome. You know. Well, well, thank you for coming on. 
Absolutely. Uh, this this might be the longest show. Oh, history. seriously? But the, I don't know. I don't know what time we started recording. I just feel like I've been on Zoom for for hours because I had that meeting right before here. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, so thank you again for coming on and taking the time. So follow Mark on Twitter. I'll put his his Twitter link in the in the uh, show notes at the bottom. But you can find this podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org and many other great podcasts. And speaking, we speak, we spoke of seminary, and I'm a current seminary student, and seminary has some costs associated with it. So if you would like to, to support my seminary training, I will put a link also in the in the bottom. And always, you know, don't take away from your family, give to your church, support your uh, you know, offerings to your church first. But if you have the opportunity to to help support me in, in my uh, training. And again, my goal right now is to eventually help plant churches. We need more solid biblical churches, and I want to be part of that. So I'm learning the tools to to be able to do that. So, but also, I I really want your prayers to to for for me during this time period again because I have to balance life. And you heard how you know it's difficult to balance life at times with seminary training, but. I need your prayers. So please pray for me. So that's it. Anything else you want to add? Subtract, no division. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to add anything because if it's already your longest episode, no, I don't know if, I don't know. If, I don't want to make it a two-parter here or anything. So but, <laughs> it, uh, it won't be, it won't be two-parter. I make everybody listen one time. Yeah, no problem. I only say it was my longest one because the uh, James White, who was just on, the other James White, he, right. he, he he said that he was he he texted me. He's like, "Thanks for having me be on your longest episode ever." Yes, <laughs> I was like, "What?" So that might might have been the, the longest. But hey, people people might want to hear it. Now, I think this this was a very good episode, and it very it was encouraging to me, and I believe will be encouraging to others. So wow. until next time, I pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Grady. I had a five-year plan for that. <laughs>